Welcome to the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. As always, I am your host, Finn J.D. John. Well, today is Monday. That means instead of reading you an episode of Offbeat Oregon History newspaper column, I'm going to be sharing a specially selected piece of our state's storytelling history. Specifically, what I'm reading today is the transcript of one of the interviews done by the writers of the Federal Writers Project of the WPA, Works Progress Administration, in its Oregon Folklore Studies series, conducted during the Great Depression, almost a hundred years ago. These are basically oral histories. Some of them over the years have been the sources for full offbeat Oregon stories. I should warn you that there's a lot of anachronistic language in these. I'm going to be drawing the line at using the literal racial slurs, you know, the the well-known one for a black person, or the equally well-known one for an Indian woman. Those will be censored. The rest of it... Well, that's history. We can't expect ourselves to rise above where we once were if we pretend that we never were that way. This particular oral history was conducted by Sarah B. Wren, who interviewed Burt Mendenhall on May 16, 1937. Here we go. The subject of this interview is Rush Mendenhall of the Indian Wars. Early Day Portland, the White House Tavern, the Toll Road, and the Justice Courts. The informant's name, Bert Mendenhall, of Railway Exchange Building, Portland, Oregon. This was his law office. He was an attorney. The interview space is described as a small consulting room of the usual type. One window, desk and table, two chairs, two or three pictures on the wall, partition of glass shutting off outer office. Office building of eight or ten stories constructed in the early 1900s. Some preliminary information. Uh, Father is Rush Mendenhall, a Quaker Englishman. Mother, Esther Warden Mendenhall, an English woman. Born in Washington County, Oregon in 1861. Married to a wife named Cone with a daughter named Ruth Lean and sons Rush, Clifford, and Harry Mendenhall. Home always in Oregon. Public school graduate from Oregon who studied law in a private law office and was admitted to the bar in 1884. Occupation, practice of law, and ranching. Mr. Mendenhall was a member of the Sons and Daughters of Indian War Veterans, Sons and Daughters of Oregon Pioneers, had no church affiliation, and his mother was one of the founders of the Portland Unitarian Church. He was described as medium, well-built, with brown eyes, dark gray hair, and clipped mustache, well-groomed and affable in manner. Here we go. My dad, Rush Mendenhall, crossed the plains in 47. He was captain of the train. Later he took an active part in the Indian Wars of the Northwest. He was sergeant orderly in the Nesmith Company. The missionaries at that time had plenty of meat, which they traded to the immigrants for clothing. Well, Dad's company was short on food and particularly short on meat. The men were getting mighty tired of cayuse meat. When they heard the squealing of pigs at the mission station, that was just about the last straw in wetting their appetites. One night, two or three of them went out on what is now called AWOL. The next morning, everybody in camp had some nice fried pork chops. And that same morning, the missionaries discovered they were short several nice fat porkers. 
They instituted a search that included a visit to the soldiers' encampment, but on asking questions, all the reply they got was, See the orderly. See the orderly. The orderly is the one for you to see. If anybody saw the pigs, the orderly saw the pigs. The orderly was dad. They hunted for him, but strangely enough, he was no place to be found. It was in 1848 that Dad and a partner built a 63-ton schooner at Lynn City. I don't remember the name of the schooner. Don't know if I ever knew it. Anyway, after the schooner was built, Dad and his partner realized they had no navigator nor anybody else who knew anything about navigating a ship. About the same time, there happened to be a good-sized British vessel anchored at Vancouver. Dad and his partner made a quiet visit over to Vancouver, and when they returned, they brought two British sailors with them. With his full complement of crew and navigators enlisted from Vancouver, Dad sailed his ship down the river. When he reached Baker's Bay, he found it expedient to put in there. It seems the British were on his trail, but their craft was too big for the shallow waters of Baker's Bay, a fact of which Dad was aware when he went in there. So, eluding his pursuers, he made the run safely down to California, where the gold mining excitement was at its height. Shortly afterwards, he sold the schooner and with the proceeds went into the business of furnishing miners' supplies at Sacramento. He made some money, went back east and married, and returned with his bride on the Governor Morton round the horn. From the Spanish in California, but in that they got swindled, so eventually came back to Oregon. He built the old courthouse at Lafayette in 58 or 59. When he started it, the bricklayers raised the price of brick on him, so he just bought five acres of land just outside the city limits, built some kilns, and made his own bricks. Then they raised the price of lumber on him, so he bought a little water and power mill up in the Chehalem Mountain. He bought some standing cedar, so he made his own lumber and shingles, and in the end found he cleaned up $2,000 more than he otherwise would have on the courthouse contract, and had a brick plant and a lumber mill besides. With a partner by the name of Price, who was father of the girl Senator Mitchell afterward married, Dad went into the mercantile business with a store at Amity and one at Bethel. In doing this, they staked a fellow by the name of Holman, who was in charge of the stores. It wasn't long before word reached Dad and his partner that if they hurried, they might get to Amity and Bethel in time to find the buildings. And that was about all they did find, Holman and everything else that disappeared. Yes, I... Used to go to most of the dances roundabout. North Plains was a popular place. We danced on a puncheon floor in a log cabin, and all we had was one fiddle to dance to. They were most square dances, and I never cared much for those. I remember our first dancing master was a man named Cardinal. He had a daughter who helped him. Afterwards, she was Mrs. Cyrus Dolph and became pretty Tony. For a long time, I lived out on South Third and Hall Streets here in Portland. The Manns, John Mann and his wife, who founded the Mann home on the east side, they lived up the street just a block away. They were awful good church people in their later years. I can remember when old John Mann, though he wasn't old then, started his money-making out of fast horses in his livery stable. Mrs. Mann raised flowers. She got a young fella to sell them for her. He peddled them about town every place, body, houses, and all. Do I uh, recall anything about the old White House out on the Riverdale Road? I'll say I do. I was there a lot in my young days. The White House was started, if I recall correctly, by a man named Leonard. 
H.C., I think, were his initials. The road leading out to the place was the first macadamized road in this part of the country, and for a long time it was known as the Macadam Road, where anybody who owned a horse, fast or otherwise, went to take their girls buggy riding. All the gay folks in town went out to the white horse where no questions was asked and most anything could be had. I was underage, I remember, and I couldn't get anything in town, but nobody questioned me out there. Once, <laughs> once I saw a fellow come running out of the place with no hat or coat on and another fellow was chasing him, yelling, I'll learn you how to break up my family, and then he caught up with him and knocked him out. Then another fellow ran up with a pan of dishwater that he threw on him and somebody else emptied a cuspidor over him and pretty soon they brought him to. Leonard kept up the macadam road through levying a toll. It begun at the foot of Hall Street, if I remember correctly, where the toll gate was. About halfway out, there was a place called the Red House, but that was later and not high-toned like the White House. When I began the practice of law, I was in my brother Ed's office. There was another young fellow in the office named Gordon Hayes. He was afterward county judge of Clackamas County. My brother turned over little cases to us to start us off, such as those in the justice courts. Couldn't understand why we lost them all. Every damned one. We couldn't imagine what was wrong. Well, of course, we weren't on to the ropes. The justice court was held in a room over a saloon, and the jury was selected by the constable who picked them up in the saloon downstairs. All the jurors got was a dollar. Jack Evers kept the saloon. The jury would go into deliberation in a little room back of the court. There was a window in the little room, and the jurors had a gallon can with a rope tied to the bail. They would put their money in the bucket or can and lower it out the window and knock against the back door of the saloon, and then the barkeep would come out and peek in the bucket to see if there was any money, and if there was, it was okay. He'd send it up full of beer or whatever they wanted. Then the jury would come to an agreement, but what they agreed on depended on which side furnished the money for the bucket. Once there was a state case involving a criminal charge. The jury was pretty full that time, brought in a verdict that read state guilty as charged. It was about 84 or 85 that there was a justice court out on 9th and Gleason streets, where the front room was the bar and the rear room with a side entrance was the place for holding court. The justice of the peace owned the place and the barkeep was the constable. At one time, when the justice court was held opposite of where the courthouse now stands, there was a case where a Jew junk man kept among the jurors kept asking who the attorney for the defense was. When he found out, he said, Well, I'm for him. Right or wrong, I'm for him. Later, when the verdict was brought in for the defense, the lawyer for the plaintiff said to the Jew, Why'd you go against me for? I'm a friend of yours. You remember I was down your place not long ago looking at a stove? Sure I remember answered the Jew. You was down in my place and you was looking at the stove, but did you pie the stove? Well, that concludes this WPA interview transcript. There is a little bit more information on the file, which you can find online in PDF form at the Library of Congress. The website for that would be loc.gov slash item slash WPALH 001987.